And now, live, it's time. Which team, by colors alone, is identifiable around the world? It's time for the JT The Brick Show. Which team, by slogan, commitment to excellence? On Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Just win, baby. All those things are the Raiders. Here's your host, JT The Brick. Out of the gate, JT with you as we begin a new week. Raider Nation Radio on Monday. Hope you had a great weekend, everybody, and we got a lot to get to because, as I told you, it's countdown to the Raiders draft where we'll be broadcasting live with our special draft show from inside Allegiant Stadium. More details to follow as we begin this week. Brought to you by our good friends at PT's. PT's the best happy hour in town. They are doing so much, and they're an official partner of the Vegas Golden Knights. So hopefully with all these Golden Knights games coming up, Bobby, who runs the show, told me like eight games in the next 10 days. Just go to a PTs. They're an official partner. They have all the bells and whistles covered. All these Golden Knight promotions. It's the only place to watch it, especially with your friends. Head out to PTs, any of the 64-plus locations here in the Valley. PTs fuels the monologue. So I just got back from a long weekend in San Diego, went on a golf trip, went to see my friends. It's never a vacation when you go on a guy's trip, so I don't count that. I'll be taking vacation in the next couple of months, and this wasn't a vacation. This was seeing my buddies and golfing and having some cervezas and having a good time. I was in San Diego for the no-hitter, first one in Padres history, even though the game was played in Arlington, Texas, but that was really cool to be with a bunch of friends who lived there when that no-hitter happened. That was fantastic. Watched a little bit of golf, but I played more, and a good weekend. So I'm excited. I'm energized for the draft, and I just hope that all Raider fans really circle in on this. This is an important part of having a flagship radio station. This is when we, I think, do our best programming with the draft, our best guests, and we do some live programming and remotes like we're going to do the Thursday, Friday, with all the details coming here in the next couple of weeks. So if every Raider fan in the next two-plus weeks, if you're listening and you like to call, if you can call in, really passionate about something about the Raiders and the draft, I'd appreciate it. I only want to put – we get more interviews than anybody. We get good interviews. We got great conversations today. So if you do get in, come in with fire and passion and talk about how this team – who've had a very active offseason. They're not getting respect for that from the media. So there's no respect on the national radio shows. No matter what the Raiders do, they're in this bubble now where they're not getting any respect. They were really good last year at times. They beat Kansas City. They beat Drew Brees. They had a lot of big wins. They should have won 10. They won 8. They had some crazy losses. They had one of the best offenses in football, and people are just kicking them, just kicking them like it's, a mafia movie and someone they're kicking into the sewer like it's some crazy scene in a movie. Every time I look up, there's someone in the media talking crap about the Raiders. It really is like a Bronx tale when they go into the bar and they shut the door and everybody wants to fight with the Raiders. The Raiders are getting no respect nationally from the media. You could say it's rightly deserved, well-deserved. They don't deserve it, whatever it is. But, you know, I just wish more Raider fans would, would concentrate on the media that is ripping the Raiders all the time without anything positive to say. I mean, the Raiders completely, the only team that did more in regards to rebuilding their roster is arguably New England. New England built a completely new football team. The Raiders added 10, 12 players literally in free agency and the moves they made. Now, with Yannick Ngakwe, and I'll get to Carl Joseph in a second. All I care about with the Raiders going forward is starters. That's what I concentrate on the show. I concentrate on the starters. Who's going to play? Who's available? Who's going to play and who's going to play at a high level? I concentrate on that. But then when you add a player, like they added all these defensive linemen, they're not all going to play. Some aren't going to make the team. Others are going to play more. we got to figure that out. That's going to take a preseason OTAs, whenever they're in the building, how they perform with the coaches. We don't know who's going to play just yet. We have an idea of most of the starters, but the depth is really important now. And the Raiders are adding depth on the defensive line and in the secondary, which I lead the show with Carl Joseph as I wasn't here Friday. And Carl Joseph was signed by the Raiders, which to me 
I mean, I could take it or leave it. I'm a fan of Carl Joseph. I've had him on the show. I think he's a good player. Is he going to change everything for the Raiders? Was that a big move? No, I don't think it was huge. I think he could play. He could play a lot. He could be a backup. He could play in certain situations. I know what he can do. I watched his entire career every play with the Raiders. And I think the good news is the Raiders saw something in him where he improved as a player. He improved when he left the Raiders, and the Raiders thought he was good enough to bring him back in for a look to play again. That's all this is. It helps the Raiders' depth. The Raiders' weakest part of their team is their secondary. So bringing in Carl Joseph helps. But how much does it help? I mean, is he going to be a pro bowler? I doubt it. Can he get better? Can he fit in? The real big thing is i got to talk to Gus Bradley about this because Gus Bradley has to approve this with Gruden and Mayock and understand what they're going to do with him. And they got to think that Gus Bradley had to watch the tape from Cleveland and say, yeah, he did a lot of things. He's a better player than when you let him go. Let's bring him back. And that's okay. So we'll see. I mean, I want to hear from you today. I haven't heard from you on the Carl Joseph signing. Are you thrilled about this? He clearly wanted to be back. He wants to be a Raider. But I don't know why he's out of Cleveland or other teams weren't interested as much. Why the Raiders? What will the role be? And will he be able to play at a high level? Very similar to John Abram, I know what Carl Joseph can do. He can tackle in the box. At times, he could be a ball hawk if it works out well for him. And at times, I've seen him with the Raiders out of position when he played with the Raiders, and we've had this conversation. We've had this conversation with him. So Carl Joseph gives the Raiders depth at safety. I mean, last season, the Raiders played Daryl Worley there. That can't happen again. He wanted to be a Raider. And when you look at what's happening here, you got a guy who throws his body around in John Abram. It's good to have a backup or someone in there with him. It's tough to replace him if he's out of the lineup for a few games. And I'm talking about Abram. What do you do? So this is an opportunity for guys to prove to Gus Bradley that they can play. I mean, again, I'm not throwing a parade in town saying Carl Joseph is here and he's going to save the secondary. I've seen him play. I think he's a good player. There are better players than him out there. And I wish the Raiders would have been more active in free agency in the secondary, but for whatever reason where they wanted to spread the money around after what happened with the offensive line and the depth, I understand it that the Raiders have to be smart with their money. And you definitely get value with Carl Joseph now. He's not going to break the bank. Uh, Carl Joseph talked about the decision to come back, and this is the decision that he wanted, and he pushed for it. First off, I, I never wanted to leave. Um, I think this is my home. Um, I was drafted here. I feel like um, I was born to be a Raider. Yeah, and I think that's nice. He, he definitely wants to be there. I like that. Trent Brown didn't want to be here. Trent Brown was given a Brinks truck full of cash and didn't want to be here. Right? We talked about that at length. He didn't want to be here. You want to have guys who want to be here and are excited to be here and can play that role. And Carl Joseph is one of them. He talked about what he's going to compete for and what his role could be with the silver and black. My focus right now is just come in and, and do my best and whatever is asked of me um, to help the team win. Um, obviously, it, Coach Gruden and, and Mike Mayall have been building a, a real good team, um, and, and I've been playing close attention to that while the year I was gone. Um, all the pieces are there. Um, um, I think we're, we're ready to win. And um, so whatever I'm going to need to do to help us win, that's what I'm going to do. Yeah, I think he's genuinely sincere, and that's great. That's what I like about the Carl Joseph return. He generally, generally wants to be here. And he wants to play, and he seems like he's upticking. He's playing better, and he wants to be there, but by no means am I penciling him in as a starter anywhere. He's got to prove that he's going to fight for that position. I don't know what's going to happen in the draft and what the Raiders are doing. Uh, Carl Joseph talked to Gus Bradley. That was a big part of his decision, I guess, is the conversation he had with the new defensive coordinator. Yeah, I think so. Um, we had a good long talk yesterday, man. Um, I have a lot of respect for Coach Gus. Um, very smart dude, um, obviously proven in this league and, and been successful, um, know what he's doing. So I'm excited to be a part of a part of it and, and playing his defense, man. And, you know, I played in a similar defense in Cleveland, so it won't be too much change for me. Um, I think I'll, I'll, I'll be able to grasp everything pretty, pretty quickly. Um, but I'm excited to work with him um, and learn from him. 
All right, so Carl Joseph is a Raider. I add him to my depth chart, and we put him in. And I want to know from you what you think of this signing. I think I got a packed show, packed show today. And I want to know from you if you get through, and I'd like to hear from you, 702-365-9200. Where does this, where does this land with you on a, on a meter of excitement? I don't do dumbed-down poll question radio, but if I did, I would ask you, where do you put this on a scale of 1 to 10, his return? I don't know. For me, it's a 5 or a 6. I'm happy about all the reasons he's back. He wants to be here. He's a hard worker. He's playing better. Is he a great player in this league? Is he a pro bowler? Is he going to change what the Raiders want in regards to their concept of defense? I don't think he's that type of player. I'm much more excited about the player I told you the Raiders were going to get, which was Yannick Ngakwe. He's the type of guy that can change everything with the Raiders, and everything I've seen with Yannick on his social media is the guy's a badass, and he's thrilled to be a Raider. We interviewed him first, and he was very excited about it. Carl Joseph excited about it. And everybody who's coming in, especially on the defensive line, Solomon Thomas, when you look at the additions, Quentin Jefferson, the players that are coming in, they all genuinely feel excited about being a Raider. And that was a big part of the culture of John Gruden when he took the job. And he talked to Howie Long about it, and he says, I'm on the phone, I talk to people, and they want to be a Raider. I agree with that. John Gruden is a player, excuse me, a coach that players gravitate to, and they want to play for him. What I think we've lost track of in the Raider Nation, the fans, a limited number, what the fans have lost track of in the media with the Raiders is, is that when you look at a player wanting to be here, that's great. How good is the player? Everybody would want to play here if they can't get a job somewhere else. Who wouldn't say that? You'd say that, hey, man, I'm looking for a job. I'm thrilled to be here in Jacksonville. I'm thrilled to be here in Detroit. I'm thrilled to be in Vegas. I'm thrilled to play for the Giants. Yeah, because they offered you a job and no one else did. For Carl Joseph, i got to figure out and take the temperature of the Raider Nation. Does it help? Yeah, I think it helps with the depth of the team. And I think the strength of the offseason has been how much depth that the Raiders added on defense. They added the best running back in football. I talked to a friend about this this week on the golf course who's a Raider fan. And he said to me about some of these moves, and he said, wow. He goes, the one thing I didn't expect was Kenyon Drake as a backup running back. I go, well, why is this? He goes, because I don't think we need a backup running back. I go, no, 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 no. You couldn't be more wrong from that. Josh Jacobs can't play every down. He can't. He's too small. He takes a beating. And the offensive line took a little bit of a step back on paper. Now the Raiders have arguably the best backup running back and the best backup quarterback in all of football. I'd love you to debate me on that. Who's better than Marcus Mariota as a backup? Marcus Mariota is better than five starters penciled to start this season. Five, including Sam Darnold. I can go around this league. There's Drew Locke in Denver. I can go around this league. There's five quarterbacks that Mariota is better than, including Cam Newton in New England. So, you know, they got the best backup quarterback and the best backup running back. Well, that's nice, but they got a bunch of other guys on the team who are starters and on other teams would be backups. Would be backups. Some of the linebackers and some of the corners would not be starting on other teams in this league. So there is a luxury of good players in depth positions. We'd all understand that. But there are still some holes that I think the draft has to clean up, either at right tackle or at edge rusher linebacker again. And that's what I'm going to be focusing on here over the next two weeks and counting on you for your opinions because your opinions matter. Look, I get the best callers to call this show. I think you know that. They don't call in every day, but when I want to hear from them, I want to hear from them. I'd like you to be a part of that family and that fraternity or sorority. We put women to the front because women tend to be smarter than men. I married one much smarter than me. When she talks, she makes a lot more sense than I do. Women would go to the front of the line, too, at 702-365-9200. Also this hour, again, Kirk Morrison, former linebacker, Radio host, he's coming on with us, once a Raider, always a Raider. We will dive hard on what the Raiders need to do on defense. He doesn't mince words. Kirk Morrison was a fine player, and he's a really good broadcaster. He'll talk, and he knows all the players in the room very well. Gruden, Mayock, Gus Bradley. So this should be good. I'm excited about this interview. And last night on my night show, I, I start my night show Sunday to Thursday. 
Stephen A. Smith called into my show. He's the biggest guy in media, number one. No one's making more money in media than Stephen A. Smith now. You laugh. Maybe you don't like him. I think you're nuts. He's built a platform that is now enormous. Wait to hear that interview. I, when I have something really good in another day part, I let you hear it because we play it here. Stephen A. Smith on Kyrie Irving going AWOL and the problem he has with him. That's coming up. And then a busy show next hour. We'll get into the Golden Knights. As Bobby said, they got a window here. They've won two in a row. They've got to stay hot. They've got to beat L.A. They've got to get this to 4-0 and then get back to where they need to be. So I'm really excited about the Golden Knights and what we're going to do with them. If you want to get through, at JT the Brick, and we'll get you on the phone, 702-365-9200. A good week for us this week. I'm heading out on another road trip to see my son in college on Friday at Oklahoma, which I'm looking forward to. So this is going to be a big week as we get closer and closer to the NFL draft. He starts off the week. It must be for a reason. Here's Chris in West Oakland. Hello, Chris. Hello, my friend. And you know exactly why I'm calling. Couldn't disagree with you anymore about Carl Joseph. Uh, Again, it shows me once again, Gruden and Mayock don't learn from their mistakes. They continue to go after the same type of safety that never knows where the football is. And you say he improved? He was a bust here. The Raiders cut him. He intercepted one pass a year ago, and that was on a Hail Mary at the end of the half. He didn't improve enough that the Cleveland Browns didn't want him back. So now the Raiders are picking up another retread. He's been in the league five years, JT. He's intercepted four passes. Three of them by Philip Rivers. He's another safety that never knows where the football is. And, I, and the Raiders don't, I disagree. We don't need depth right now. We need bona fide playmakers first. So that's all I got to say. Carl Joseph was just another classic example of a first-round safety the Raiders drafted, and he was a colossal bust. That they, they keep trying to recreate Atkinson and Tatum. I'm sick of hearing that because for as fierce a hitters as they were, Atkinson and Tatum, JT, had 65 career interceptions between them in an era where sometimes he's only through the ball a dozen times a game. You've got to find the football, and that brings me to my other one, and this will be my frequent target all year long, Nevin Lawson. I didn't even know they re-signed him until I saw he was suspended for PEDs. Number one, if he's taking PEDs, he needs to sue the dealer because they ain't working. Again, seven years in the NFL, the guy's never intercepted a pass. Let that sink in for a minute, JT. He's intercepted the same amount of passes as me, you, Bobby, and a tackling dummy. And it's not because they stay away from him. I've watched this guy for two years get picked on constantly. He can't cover. He can't tackle. He's never intercepted a pass. I would love, love to ask Mike Mayock exactly what. If this is the kind of player you want in your system, then you you simply do not know how to evaluate defensive players. And I'm tired of hearing about Gus Bradley because we had Eric Allen, Rod Woodson, the late, great Eric Turner. Great players play in any system. Gus Bradley's not going to turn Carl Joseph and Nevin Lawson into Eric Allen or Eric Turner. I'm disgusted with these moves. I again, I, I I just I couldn't believe when I saw they re-signed Carl Joseph and Nevin Lawson. So to me, they're going backwards. So they don't get a pass from me, JT. I've been with this team too long, seen them make the same mistakes over and over and over. I hope I'm wrong, but seven years of history certainly tells me I'm probably not going to be. Thanks, my friend. I'll talk to you later. Wow, that's the first call I take of the week. (laughs) Really, that's the first call of the entire week on Raider Nation Radio for me. So Chris is not, again, Lawson, I agree with him. I don't know how he could make this roster. I don't. I don't know how he's on the roster as a starter after everything we've seen. And again, depth, you have to have players. You have to have enough players to leave the locker room and perform. And the Raiders had a mass unit with injuries and COVID, and they must have seen something with depth and what he can do as a backup. And when it gets to Carl Joseph, I mean, look, Chris knows a lot more about the Raiders than I do. He's a blood and guts lifetime Raider fan who's only missed one home game in his entire life in Oakland. Okay, so that's what he thinks about Carl Joseph. Again, I think the Carl Joseph move – is a depth move. I don't think that that was brought in to solidify the secondary. I agree with Chris. I don't think he's that type of player that you look around and say, well, now the Raiders don't have to worry about the safety position. The Raiders have issues. There's free safety, strong safety. They got guys who can come up in the box and tackle who are ferocious. Carl Joseph can do that. So can John Abram. I'm more concerned about a center fielder, the way Charles Woodson moved from cornerback to safety, 
the reason Rod Woodson, who I went to dinner with recently, told me about his transition. You know, Rod Woodson's one of the greatest 50 players of all time. Not 50 players in the secondary, 50 football players of all time. He was able to make the move from corner to safety. And I think what the Raiders want to find is a ball hawk that can intercept the ball when it's in the air consistently, knock the ball down, come there and guard someone when he does a double move and gets by a corner, and a free safety can go pick up that player in center field and stop a big play, which is a weakness for the Raiders, a flat-out weakness. And I think they're going to address it in the draft at some point. But then again, you're drafting a free safety or someone in the secondary that has no NFL experience, and it's tough to play that position. It's tough. You have to have, as Chris said, a nose for the football. And if you've been in the league seven years and you've never intercepted a play, a pass, then you got a question like he did as a fan, Lawson. And why is he here? Oh, why is Amik Robertson here? Right? You got to question why guys are drafted to play slot corner or why they're drafted to play a position and they can't get on the field. You got to question that. But then again, you got to realize that. You're not going to have a pro bowler at every position. You've got to have capable players who can come in to start in case of injury. And that's something that I think the Raiders have addressed on defense in the offseason. They've addressed that. But I would, I would like better superstars than better guys. And, and Gruden and Mayock know this. They know this. They know who's available. They know who's not available. Matt and Hoboken, you're up next. What's going on, Matt? What's up? I couldn't agree with you more, JT. And the last caller, I think, had, had some great points. Carl Joseph, he's a good guy. He's a good locker room guy. He wants to be a Raider, and all those things are great. But, you know, Carl Joseph, if he ends up starting at free safety for us, I think it would be a bad thing. I don't think – I think if he's used as someone to push Jonathan Abram, I think that could be a good thing because him and Jonathan Abram, in my opinion, and I think you just said it, have very similar skill sets. They're both mm-hmm. strong safeties, in-the-box type safeties, whose best plays seem to be on run support, tackling, big hits, things like that. So if he was signed to be our free safety, I would consider this a terrible signing. But if he was signed simply to just be a depth guy and maybe push mm-hmm. Jonathan Abram or be an insurance for him, I think it could be a good signing. So it all depends on why he was signed, which I don't think we know totally yet. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's my point on that. And I have a really quick point, JT, if I could get this in, about the yep. players' union. Um, I read an article not too long ago about the players' union looking to discourage players from attending OTAs if they are in person. And, you know, I'm all for unions and stuff like that, but i got to be honest with you. It, was, it kind of was disgusting to read it. I mean, and they are also pushing, from what I read, to totally to make the offseason totally virtual going forward, even when COVID is resolved. And I just think... But that's, that's in such bad taste because, as you know, and as football people know, that football is the kind of sport that requires in-person contact. It requires you to – I mean, you could do it all virtually, but it's not the same thing. You know, I'm a teacher. I teach, and I, I could tell you that virtual learning is not the same as in-person learning. And I'm sure John Gruden will absolutely agree with that. You can't read a room when you're doing a Zoom meeting. You can't – you know, you can't you can't get a feel for the room. You can't look around and see who you think's getting it, who's not getting it. It just slows everything down. So I think the players union pushing to remain all virtual for the rest yeah. of their lives and for the rest of time and even after COVID is resolved is I think it's in just bad taste, man. Yep, thanks for the call. I agree with you, especially with Gruden. You nailed that. And the union doesn't want their players to practice. They don't. They don't want them to do more work. That's the problem. Players are making more money than ever. They know it. And they're negotiating with billionaires who want to make more money. And the only leverage that the players have, it seems like, is they don't want to practice. The players in general want more time off. They don't want to practice in pads if they could be on a Zoom meeting. If you tell this to players, the majority of them are going to say, sure, less for me, that's great. And then you got to find the guys in the organization that want to work more in that type of capacity. And it's tough to do. And I think that was a real big struggle for John Gruden, who had COVID and tried to kill players, and there was COVID issues around him. This team needs a fresh start, man, okay, as he would say. This team needs a fresh start. They need everything to be fresh, the new roster, the health of the players, the vaccinations, more fans, more encouragement. They need a fresh start here. Last year was bleeping chaos when it came to a self uh, uh, self and hate, uh help and safety protocol with COVID. It was a work in progress. 
and the Raiders really got snake bit on a lot of those categories where other teams didn't. Other teams had problems just like the Raiders. And I think that's going to play a big role. But there were so many players who weren't available. It was nuts. Black Hole Cisco. Great to talk to you. What's happening, man? How are you? JT, how's it going, brother? Good to hear from you. How are you? I'm great, and I'm here to announce. I'm here to announce that Modelo is the official beer sponsor of the JT The Brick Show. Announcement that's, later this week. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. So that makes two of us uh, with the Modelo Corona family. Thanks. Yes. That's good to hear. Good to hear, my man. So, uh, yeah, I know you're busy. I know we got colleagues lined up. But, yeah, I just wanted to chime in on whole uh, Carl mm-hmm. Joseph signing. I agree with Matt. You know, if they hire, if they brought this uh, guy back into the mix just for depth and, and you know, uh, insurance, I'm, I'm, I'm for it. Um, but, again, yeah, he, he's, a, he's a hitter. We'll say that, but he's got no no eyes for the ball. He's uh, he's an all right player, and and I just I really wish the Raiders would have went out and got some really good guys that have a nose for the ball. I'm on the fence with Sherman. I think mm-hmm. Sherman does have a, a nose for the ball and could probably help us. But there was a couple games last year that scared me because I mean he got he got burnt like a big piece of toast and I don't know man but we do need to do something in the secondary and I agree with you getting a stud out of the out of the college ranks may do it but that's that's a hard position to switch to in the NFL I mean so we'll see what happens man but uh, good to always talk to you JT man and hang in there and love the show thank you good to talk to you really appreciate you checking in. Again, if Carl Joseph can play and can get on the field because Gus Bradley believes he's a better player than when he was with the Raiders. Gus Bradley wasn't with the Raiders. He'll make that decision. I can promise you this. I've met Gus Bradley. I've talked to him a few times, once here on the radio. He is not screwing around. Okay, he's his own man. He's coming in here with heavy juice, with his philosophy, his new defense, where he's going to line up players, and only the players that can play are going to be on the field. That's it. And he knows it. So just because someone signed and someone's going to be here doesn't mean they're going to be here forever. Remy Martin wants to remind you that when you and your friends are celebrating anything from a Raider game, Golden Knights, anything big that's happening, celebrate with a Remy Martin Cognac, Remy Martin VSOP, 1738, and XO are all teamed up for excellence. Are you? Remy Martin, team up for excellence. Kirk Morrison next. It has, man. Um, you know, like I said, these guys are like my family, man. Um, and, and it really feels like that. And, and just coming in the building yesterday, seeing some of them, um, and, and it felt like, you know, I never really left. Um, you know, so feel the excitement to have me back and want me back, man. Felt felt really, truly special. That meant a lot to me making this decision. Um, you know, guys like Abram been reaching out to me for a while. Um, you know, Derek was one of the first guys to call me. Um, I spoke to him today and spoke to him yesterday. Um, you know, it's been it's been a lot of guys, man, and I'm excited to be back and, and get to work with those guys. Carl Joseph on returning to the silver and black. Our listeners seem to be lukewarm about it. Your opinion, if you want to get through, 702-365-9200. Friend of the show joins us, eight-year NFL vet at linebacker, ESPN College Football, Rams pre-post halftime host, LA Gridiron Weekly, ESPN Los Angeles, Kirk Morrison. Man, I used to have more broadcasting jobs with you. Now i got to pick up another two to keep up with you. I'm going to have to tap out, my friend. <laughs> no, man. Don't say that, JT. You know, you're the guy, man. I, I got it all from you. You know that. I learned it from you, JT. Well, I'll tell you, I'm proud of you. Every time I follow your social media, we talk to friends in the business. You're doing such a great job. And once a Raider, always a Raider. Before we talk about your career, you just heard Carl Joseph coming out of the break there. And look, I look at Carl Joseph as a guy who can do some things well, but when he was with the Raiders, from time to time, he was hit or miss. Knowing John Abrams back there, Arnett Young at one corner, Trayvon Mullins there, Gus Bradley. Tell me about his principles and how he's trying to rebuild this new defense, his style of defenders. Well, look, he wants to be fast. He wants to be quick. He wants to be hard-hitting. 
he wants guys to fly around, make plays. But I think he also wants some smart football players and guys who, who understand situations, you know, and understand, hey, the, the time of possession. We all know the NFL is about situational football right now, JT. And it's understanding the situation of what needs to be had, what needs to be done. Carl Joseph brings a ton of experience. And, look, he was drafted by a different regime, a different coaching staff that envisioned him to be a different type of player. So, yeah, when it switched over, he struggled a bit. But at times, you saw why he was picked in the first round. He goes to Cleveland for a year and, you know, sees how it's done. But he, you know, made the playoffs, had a, a chance to win a playoff game. So I think he brings that experience to the Las Vegas Raiders now of how to get it done, but also playing with something on the line. So I think that's going to be huge for what Gus Bradley's trying to preach in that back end. Kirk Morrison's our guest. So the Raiders added a bunch of guys, defensive tackles, defensive players, and this is just another example. It seems like they're bringing in a lot of players who aren't going to be guaranteed to be starters. They could be role players. Yannick Ngakwe comes off the edge, Max Crosby, Cleland Farrell. So they seem to have their core base of the defensive line improved if the younger players continue to play well. Linebacker, the position you played with, Littleton of the Rams when he came over, really took, I thought, a major step back. We were looking for someone who was going to be a perennial or close to being a pro bowler, Nick Kwiatkowski, and then Morrow was brought back. So talk about the front seven for the Raiders and where do you think they stand coming into the draft? Competition. That, mm-hmm. That's what I see, uh, honestly. I see competition that no spot is given to anyone. you got to have to earn a spot this year, and I think that's going to be huge because I think Gus Bradley, his style of defense is going to be downhill. Watching him in Los Angeles the last couple of years, I can tell you, that he's going to put the best players on the field. But he wants guys to, to just play, just go out there, run around, hit, tackle. And, 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 and honestly, it's not going to be a ton of X's and L stuff, right? Mm-hmm. It's going to be very simplified. Guys going to know where each other is supposed to be at, and you're betting that that guy's going to be there. I think at times the Raiders have had guys who are still learning the system, learning the scheme, and – at a point in which there's no more time. You just got to go out there and play. So that's what I think is more simplifying what they're doing and let everybody go out there and playing fast. I think that's what can get, you know, guys like Littleton and Kwiatkowski all on the same page. And that front four, that, that, that front four really, you know, that defensive line, getting some good push up the middle. I think we've seen them when and they added, you know, guys in the middle of the defense now to go with, you mentioned Unique Ngakwe, in Crosby, but I think you're now going to have multiple different groups of guys, though, JT, that can rush the passer. We may not just see your traditional defensive end lining up in a 4-3 on the outside. You may be seeing Cleveland Farrell kick down and rush over a guard. You know, maybe maybe Max Crosby, you'll see him on the same side as a Yannick Ngakwe, you know, try to get that matchup. What does that look like? So I'm encouraged with what the Raiders have done so far. But, again, it goes back to what I said. They're creating competition at all levels with Morrow coming back as well, linebacker. Kirk Morrison joins us, former Raider, ESPN LA. Just one more player, Derek Carr, and he had a good year last year, very good year last year. He's in the top ten as a quarterback. And do you like the progressions he's making? Because a lot of people didn't think he'd be here potentially in the fourth year of the Gruden system. Now all his real money's been paid. He's got a future he's got to have to play for. Do you think this is another one of those make-or-break years for Carr? Because he's very good, but a lot of fans want to see him take the Raiders to the next level and win playoff games. Yeah, I think that that's what the big holdup is with Raider Nation is that you know he's got all the records. He's done a ton for the organization. He's brought stability to the quarterback position, but at the end of the day, he's got zero playoff appearances and zero starts in the playoffs. The only time that they did go, um, he wasn't the starter. Remember, he got injured in the game mm-hmm. prior or a couple weeks prior and could not start in the playoff game versus Houston that year. I think they, they've added the weapons. They've you know, invested draft picks uh, for him. And I think it's just about the time that he just, you know, it, it's to a point where there's no more excuses. Uh, franchise quarterbacks take a team to the playoffs, regardless of the defense isn't playing well. Special teams is bad. And I think we got to put Derek Carr as that caliber of quarterback. And I think that he's he's done that now. He showed that last year, but now he has to raise it up another level. That's the one thing about the quarterback position. It's always, what have you done for me lately? And last year was okay, but I think we expect better. We expect more from Derek. I expect more from Derek because I think it's in him. I think it's in him to be able to lead his team to the playoffs. And so we'll see now. We'll see what this year is all about. 
having everybody available, right, having the offensive line together. I think a lot of the question marks that were there last year, you probably won't have this year. you got two running backs that you can hand the ball off to. Darren Waller is still one of the top three tight ends, I think, in the NFL. And then we'll see this group of wide receivers come together with the addition of John Brown. So I'm excited that offensively they'll be there and that the defense can now finally catch up. And we'll see what they do in the draft as well. They got four picks in the first three rounds, JT. I think that you can get some solid, I mean, some uh, solid starters and key contributors that can really put this team over the hump. Kirk Morrison, as we wrap it up. So what's new with you? You got a lot of responsibilities with the Rams <laughs> on game day. I know you want to get out to Vegas on off yeah. weeks to get into Allegiant Stadium and see games. So you're really busy. Tell tell the Raider family what's new with you. Uh, it's you know same over with me, JT. I'm a uh, you know, still the uh, on the Rams radio broadcast, so I start there. You know, game day coverage, pregame, postgame, halftime. I do that you know on Sundays, but I also, um, you know, I'm on the NFL channel on SiriusXM, uh, where you know I'm talking all of the NFL. And mm-hmm. I recently just launched my own show, uh, LA Gridiron Weekly, here in Los Angeles, ESPN LA, where we do talk Raiders. It's not just uh, the local teams and the Rams and the Chargers. We know that there's a fan base here in Los Angeles that is still Raider Nation, and I get Raider Nation calls all the time, JT, so you can hear that on Saturdays at 9 a.m. And, you know, still doing college football. This weekend I'm doing the Vanderbilt spring game for ESPN, so I'm dialed in with a lot of these players, uh, you know, having covered them in college and and spoke with them. And it's always – it's great around this time for me because the guys who I've – you know, watched over the years and now finally going to the NFL and, and to see them go. Like this year I had three BYU games with Zach Wilson, and I said, man, that's an NFL player right there, and mm-hmm. I think he'll be the second player taken in this draft. So it's those, those types of stories that uh, I've been around lately, and, you know, that's what's my, been my passion and drive, man. Football has been fun to cover, to play, uh, and to follow as well. Keep it going, my friend. Look forward to seeing you out here a lot of when I get to L.A. Appreciate you coming on with us. Absolutely, JT. I'm coming out there, man, soon. I'm coming out there soon. So as we get done with this spring football season, man, I will be out in Vegas, and I can't wait for you to walk me around Allegiant Stadium, man. It looks great. No doubt about it. We'll have a great time. Thanks, Kirk. Have a great day. Thank you. Always. Thanks, JT. All right, Kirk Morrison. Good to talk to him. Really cool Raider. Really loved that his dad, the season ticket holder who I've met, and we'd always talk about his dad, and he's gone on to be a broadcaster. He's working with the Rams on game day, and that's where his job is. And he's in L.A., and he's got a really nice career going. Good to talk to him about what's going to happen. As he mentioned, Gus Bradley wanting players to play fast, right? They have to play fast, and they have to be able to play in his system going forward. And Gus Bradley's got a lot of players now that are coming into that facility that got to impress him if they're going to make it on the field. And Kirk said, good depth for the Raiders. Raiders had a good offseason on defense. Remember, this defense struggled big time. And they, how would we have felt if the Raiders didn't go out in free agency and bring in all these new players? Not all of them are superstars, but they're capable players here. At least it gives them a start. Heading into the draft, where I think the priority's got to be defense over right tackle. And that's not going to change, by the way, in two weeks. I'll be at the stadium anchoring our draft coverage. And coming up to that pick, we're going to know right before the Raiders pick. We'll have a good feeling if they're going right tackle or if they're going edge rusher, linebacker, whatever it is. And it'll probably be a right tackle because it's a gaping hole because they've done a lot on defense. And bringing in Carl Joseph leads me to believe that they don't have to go first-round safety. I wouldn't be shocked if they did. I'd be very surprised. But that's what we want to do here over the next two weeks is we want everybody to give their opinion on what the Raiders should do with that first pick. Because whoever you think is going to be available for the second pick won't be available. So I don't want to waste anybody's time. Don't want to waste anybody's time. That was brought to you by the Henderson Hyundai Superstore, Boulder Highway in Henderson. They have the super deals you're looking for. Stephen A. Smith coming up next. Yes, the loud Stephen A. Smith on Kyrie Irving going AWOL again. Kyrie update, you know, he's sore and uh, bowed but not broken. He'll be okay. He'll be okay. That was David Blatt when he was coaching Kyrie in Cleveland. 
He got a ring in Cleveland. Kyrie Irving not playing tonight for personal reasons. So last night I'm doing my show on Sirius XM. It's about 10.30 at night Pacific. 1.30 in the morning. 1.30 in the morning in New York. And my producer tells me in my ear, Stephen A. is calling in. The great Stephen A. Smith listening to my show as he was driving home from the airport. And he called in to talk about this topic. Stephen A., I hope you had a great weekend. Thanks for doing this. How are you? My brother, I hope you had a great weekend as well. I was listening to your show because anytime I'm in the show, I'm in the, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm in my car this time of night. I, you know, I'm going to turn to you, my brother. Let me be very, very clear, though. I think that, and I'm not saying that you mentioned the national media because I know that you mentioned the local media. But if mm-hmm. you mentioned the national media, you included them in your diatribe as the folks who would not say anything about Kyrie. Boy, have you got it wrong, because I cannot wait to go on the air tomorrow to talk about this. I mean, I completely agree with you 1,000%. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. If you are not injured, there is no excuse for you to be missing games again. We don't need to know the intimacy or the intimate personal details about what's going on, even though if you're a reporter, you definitely should be asking, what the hell is up? Why is it for the third time this year, at the very least, you need to take a personal day? There's no way in hell you can expect to watch national television tomorrow and not see this mention. Because I promise you, I will. I know you will. Stephen A. Smith joins us. How do you do it in your role now, big company such as ESPN and your multiple platforms, when you're dealing with someone potentially with mental health issues, he needs time away, it's family issues, there's only so much you could do but beat reporters and other reporters. I just don't see that coverage in New York the way that I want to see it more on this topic because I'm looking for that content all day out here in Vegas to do a national show, and I don't see enough of it, Stephen A. Well, what I would tell you, there's a tremendous level of sensitivity that we should all harbor when it comes to mental health issues people are going through a lot of things and the the reality is is that we don't necessarily have a right to know the specifics i mean what goes on with you and your doctor what goes on with me and my doctor and others you know that's that's private business we get that but in the same breath you know in the same breath you got to look at a player that's making about 35 million this year that's playing you may not have an obligation to tell us specifically what those issues are but how was, it, how was it an issue today, but it wasn't an issue a few days ago? How was it an issue going into this season, you know, or, or rather during the season when you took off seven games and was only fine for two, but it wasn't an issue before that? And why is it that all of a sudden the impression was that it was resolved, but then you took another one again and again? That's three separate occasions that games are missed. And I'm saying that's a legitimate question. Without knowing the details, you do have a right to probe and investigate the authenticity of those claims when it repeatedly happens. You either have an issue or you don't. You know, you didn't have an issue when you dropped 40 last week. You didn't have an issue when you dropped 30 the week before. You didn't have an issue, but you get blown out by the Lakers without LeBron and AD, and you almost you get ejected because you get into it uh, with Dennis Schroeder, or Schrader, and then all of a sudden there's an issue. So, again, you know, it, those kind of questions can be asked where you're not getting into specifics about exactly what the issue is, but you are challenging how authentic these issues are because of how inconsistent they appear to be, you know, present to the point where it causes you to miss games. Stephen A. Smith joins us from ESPN. So we're both Nick fans, and we've seen plenty of dynasties. San Antonio was a dynasty everyone liked. Mono Ginobili, Tony Parker, the quiet and humble, the great Tim Duncan. And then the Warriors, when Durant went there to ring chase, huge topic. Draymond, from time to time, would be a lightning rod. But I look at this Nets team, and it has nothing to do with me being diehard Garden and a Nick fan. But I don't like this team. I don't like their demeanor. Look, what Rappaport and KD went through, I get it. It happens on social media. Kyrie, you mentioned perfectly. A wall for seven, only fine for two. That's going to stay with me. 
I know, I don't think, Harden quit on Houston to get out of Houston as quick as he could, out of shape, didn't want to play. They reward him, reward him by sending him to the best team in the East. This is one of the most unlikable teams I've seen in a long time, but you're there in New York. What are they saying in New York? And then I know you're talking about this globally. A lot of fans are going to root against this team when they get to the postseason. A lot of fans don't like them. They don't like them. As they, don't, they don't like them. They don't like them because they see how truculent and acerbic they are at times, and they're wondering where does it emanate from. Uh, in the case of James Harden, I would tell you that since he's been in Brooklyn, he's been on his best behavior. And a lot of people don't hold against him the fact that he forced his way out of Houston because we've seen that in sports before in a multitude of arenas. We've seen that in baseball. We've seen that in basketball. We've seen that in football where somebody wants out um, and they compel an organization to let them go. In fairness to James Harden, <clears throat> he had let Tillman Fertitta um, and the Rockets brass know before the season even began he wanted out. He made that very, very clear. The second Daryl Morey departed, he wanted out. He didn't want to be there any longer. And he made that very, very clear to them. They were convinced to hold on to him. And because they were convinced to hold on to him and they assured him he would not be going anywhere, he used that recourse in order to force his way out. We may not like it, but we see that happen. And we've seen it happen on many, many occasions throughout the world of sports. In the case of Kyrie and, and KD, it's a little bit different. Kyrie, you've, you've been out for 18 months. People are salivating for you uh, to see you play. You come back. You remind us of the superstar that you are. You're averaging 30 over 19 games, 29 over 19 games. Uh, but you do an interview with Charles Barkley, and you act like you didn't want to be there. You just wanted to give one-word answers because you didn't like how he was talking about Kyrie, which is why Michael Rappaport tweeted you, why, why do the interview? And that got ugly, and Michael Rappaport shouldn't have crossed those lines by divulging mm-hmm. what was discussed on private, privately on social media with them DMing each other. But still in all, it doesn't negate the fact that KD was a bit truculent and it was unnecessarily so, particularly with Charles Barkley. Then you got Kyrie Irving. He starts off the season. He's boycotting the media. Um, it, you know, he's, he's talking, he, he calls the media peons and all of this other stuff, and inauthentic, and how it's insignificant what we feel and think or whatever and walks around like he's a victim. Well, a victim of what? What did anybody do to you? You weren't around to be a victim. You only played 20 games this last year. You made noise about the bubble because you didn't want them to play in the bubble because you thought it was going to be a distraction from social justice issues, except the bottom line was you weren't playing anyway because you were hurt and you couldn't play. And so when you look at it from that perspective, along with the fact that the NBA had the license to rip up the collective bargaining agreement, thereby rendering all contracts null and void in the event that bubble play never had taken place this past summer. It almost seemed foolhardy. And then you couple that with the fact that he's a vice president uh, with the Players Association, yet Chris Paul, the president, and others had no idea that Kyrie Irving was going to take the position that he took about bubble play until they found out because he communicated it on social media. So somehow, some way, he's been able to manufacture that into feeling like a victim. Then he comes into this season, as far as I'm concerned, the best show in the NBA because he's a showman, a showstopper, great player, somebody that's worth walking through the turnstiles for. But that's when he plays. And he picks and chooses when to play and when not to play. And you've got a rookie coach and an organization beholden to Kevin Durant, knowing he's Kevin Durant's boy. That's why he's there to begin with. And therefore, they ain't going to mess with him. People know this. And as a result, it turns them off about the Brooklyn Nets. Last one for Stephen A. before his big show tomorrow morning. Got to get to A-Rod. I know you're going to vet him. He's lied multiple times. He lied to Katie Couric. He lied on the radio, TV. He did that, period. No debate. Now he wants to buy the Wolves going in. What is his end game? Because I'm in Vegas, as you know. we got a brand-new arena. We're going to get the NBA at some point, Seattle. I find it hard to believe that A-Rod's doing this to keep that team in Minneapolis. What should we know behind the scenes with A-Rod and his intentions? Well, what you should know is that it's pretty much a done deal, that um, he's going to be a part owner of the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Lynx, um, from what I'm hearing. Um, you also need to know that, you know, he's backed by a billionaire. And – 
A-Rod wants to be a big-time businessman and a big-time owner. He wanted to own the Mets and was partnering with a group that included J-Lo to purchase the Mets, but they didn't have Steve Cohen's money, so they weren't going to be able to pull that off. And the likelihood of him being able to own a baseball team was slim to none. His best shot was getting the Mets, and that didn't happen. So because of that, okay, I'll be an owner in another sport. And you're going to see a lot of these guys that have been superstars that have made hundreds of millions of dollars positioning themselves to own a team because these sports teams are cash caps, and they know it's an opportunity to make an exorbitant amount of money because the leagues themselves are not necessarily depreciating in value, particularly when you see the money being doled out by networks, including mine, ESPN, TNT, NBC, CBS, ABC, et cetera. The money that's there to be made, um, particularly when you choose to sell down the line, is too exponential to, to avoid. And it also keeps you relevant. And so the combination of all of those things are what's going to lead A-Rod to go for this. Me personally, I'm not as hard on him as I used to be, not just because I've gotten to know him and he's a colleague, but also because of this reason. Once the lies stopped being told, he came on national television, he fessed up, he owned it, uh-huh. acknowledged, that he owned, acknowledged that he messed up, and paid a pretty hefty damn price for it. And is still paying a price for it because he ain't going into the Hall of Fame because of it. At some point in time, when you acknowledge and fess up to what you have done, there's nowhere else to go as human beings but to engage in compassion from that point forward, or at least just moving on because you know there's nothing else you can do. Nicely said. Our friendship means everything. I appreciate you listening and calling in. It means everything to our audience. Have a great week, my friend. You do the same, buddy. Take it easy. Stephen A. Smith. So that covered a lot, especially on Kyrie Irving. Now, that game was canceled tonight, just now, between the Nets and the Timberwolves because of the issues surrounding Minneapolis and a shooting. So that game was canceled. And there's a lot happening on another really difficult topic that's affecting sports. We'll talk about that. Plus, we have an NFL insider, former quarterback, Max Brown on the quarterbacks in the draft next hour.